Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can live the life of a small business owner. And on a hot day like Uh. today, it is the life to be living because I am so happy that it's summertime. And I'm a small business owner. Yeah, and I've not been in my car in three days, and I get in there, and I turn the car on, it says 100 degrees on the dashboard there. It's going to be um, heat index of 107 today. Yeah. Uh, here's why I enjoyed being a small business owner this week is Oliver, my grandson, brought his father with him to visit me. And I took most of yesterday off. Travis said, hey, can he's on Monday. He goes, hey, can we come up Tuesday? And I'm like, I pulled out my calendar. Yeah. I can clear Wednesday morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we cleared yesterday oh, afternoon. Yeah. Um, while you were busy playing with Oliver, I was shoveling two tons of river rock. Yeah, I saw you post that picture. Yeah. You you lose. You yeah. totally it, lost it a was, small business. I owner. don't know why, but it was sitting in the driveway, and I was driving Scott and I absolutely nuts, even though it had only been delivered that morning. We were going to do it on Saturday <laughs> because it's only going to be 80 degrees instead of yeah. 100 degrees. But then he started working on it, and it's like – his military background, once you start a project, Mm -hmm. you can't stop. And we were like, okay, it's full steam ahead. So I'm a little sore today. Yes. All right. But today we're not here to talk about rocks. (laughs) No puns. We might. Yeah. Yeah, We might. We might. Um, But we are here with a very, 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 very special guest, Mr. Chris Cherico with Guardian Tax Solutions. We're super excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Timely that you're on with us, uh, you solve. I, I know that when we see you on networking events, it's like IRS guy is here. <laughs> and you have told me you get, hey, we need to talk afterwards, like chat box on Zoom. Like, we need to talk, right? <laughs> it's, are you at least one, if not two or three, every every BNI event or Zoom meeting you go to networking event? Two to three out of 10 is consistently the average of there's an issue in some capacity yeah um yeah very much so it's it's a high percentage and those are just the ones that are willing to admit it absolutely that aren't already in a resolution or um are yeah, really ready to face it you're correct right well i'm so excited about this topic today because all of our small business owners we mm. have not touched on this we have not for our listeners mm. so today we're going to talk all about our favorite thing taxes and actually, I love taxes because the more taxes I have to pay, it means I'm actually making some money. So, weren't we told you weren't lining. supposed to look at it that way? That I digress. I'll okay. probably edit that out. So I digress. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I have a couple of questions for you. But I know that Mike wants to dive into um, just a little bit of background for our listeners. So, how the heck did you get into being the IRS tax guy? Well, um, I went to school for accounting. And then, oh gosh, you're one of those. One of those, but then they lost. <laughs> oh, it gets me. better. Yeah. They, they lost me to personal training. So at ah. that point, fell in love with personal training. Fast forward 20 years, and you know, 20 years outside of a marriage is a long enough time in almost anything. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I decided to use my soft skills in a industry that lacks them, in order to help people as opposed to do more of the data entry side. Awesome. You look like you're in shape. Do you still Thank work you. out a lot? Yeah, still work yeah. out, still do that. I mean, that's for my mental health right. uh, in and of <laughs> itself. But, you know, it helps my mood. It helps all that part. But uh, the fitness side of it, I think, really complements the tax side because 
quite honestly, Trinity, if you were my client, we would still talk about more than just the gym. We talk about your family. We talk about your spouse. We talk about your life. So those soft skills definitely come into play when it comes to talking about a tax problem, um, meaning you're going to definitely there's something that caused it in a right. sense. So it's not yes. just that entry. So you're doing a lot of counseling along the way as well. Yeah, it's definitely a life event that has caused a tax problem in more cases than not, like a divorce or a bad business partner or changing of a lifestyle or mm -hmm. a medical emergency that caused you to dip into your 401k. Awesome. Quick question for you. Sure. Have you read the book Profit First? I have not. Oh, dang it. Oh, you're giving me something to do this weekend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because I would love to chat with you about that okay. and get your perspective on it. Yeah, sounds great. It's the book I'm reading right now. Yes. Yes. Huge, she is a huge book reader. Okay. I'm not, but if it's if it pertains it, to fitness or taxes, I can it get through it. It pertains to how people structure the accounting of their business and why they should pay themselves first mm -hmm. and the importance of the buckets that you save into and how you put it together proportionately. So I think that it would be right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm a fan of the framework of how you shared it for yeah. sure. Awesome. You opened a fitness company. We're in that for a while. Mm -hmm. Switched into taxes. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been doing taxes now? Eight years. Eight years. Correct. Okay. So how many people do you think you've saved? Oh, it's, it's really endless. Um, and it's endless because it can be whomever I've given advice to compared to those that have taken it and moved on on their own with it. Because mm -hmm. I want to either add value or remove a burden. If I can't do at least one of the two, I don't want you as a client. Um, so from that standpoint, I will share how to resolve your problem. And then it's up to you to decide if it's a good use of your time to do it on your own or that opportunity cost to continue to do what you do well at and let the professional handle it for you. That's awesome. Um, what would you say from your expert opinion are the top three things that business owners should look out for or that they're doing improperly? Um, top three things. I think probably number one would be knowing their business entity, um, knowing what's deductible, knowing what matters. Um, that that's, that's crucial in creating the framework of it. Mm -hmm. Second is knowing what the red flags are that are going to draw more attention to their return. Um, and third is hiring someone that's not a puppy mill that's going to actually care about you. That relationship with the tax professional or bookkeeper, um, it needs to be re relation driven, not transactional. And if you can't get that from them, you need to find somebody else that actually cares about your specific situation. Explain, because we're talking about this yesterday. We did a quick phone call. Explain the pup email. I know what you're talking sure. about, but go into depth a little bit more on who that is. Um, a lot of, I think the business model's broken. They have hundreds, if not thousands of clients, and they can't specifically know what matters to Mike, what's going on in Mike's world. Did Mike put solar panels on his house? Um, did he get divorced? Does he have a good business partner? What's the future look like? Are their kids going to college? Um, is there a wedding coming up that he's going to have to be paying out on? So those moving parts should be part of the plan when it comes to taxes. Are you looking to refinance next year? Um, you have to be able to qualify to refinance. It's not just a given because you have a home. Mm -hmm. So those, those, those aspects are definitely key in having a tax return represent where you're headed. Um, right. 
So yeah, so it's those things are a small business owner in my perspective is trying to pay their bills. They're trying to stay afloat mm-hmm. and it's a struggle to do what they've decided to do for a living. Their expertise is not my expertise. So um, if it comes to changing my oil, I digress. It's not my specialty. It's, you know, it's, it's better use of my time to have an expert do it than me. Did you know that I used to change my own oil? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up a little bit of a redneck. She grew up in redneck Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh. They did a lot of things, legal and learning. <laughs> yes. you, well, the nice thing about growing up in places like that is you learn a lot of practical stuff early. Oh, yeah. I learned you how to fix change your own mistakes. My own brakes. Yeah. I learned how to change my own oil. And all of those things taught me a lot of um, valuable skills that for problem solving, but also I've never been able to get ripped off at an auto mechanic yep. and it helped me to choose my auto mechanic because I knew just enough to be a little dangerous. Does your dad, do your brothers listen to this? Um, they should. Can Especially I s- my brother Ranson yes. because he owns a small business. One would, Ranson. <laughs> uh, so then if they're not listening, I could say you, you are your... You're your dad's favorite son as well? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a given, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, if they, they know that, I don't need to say it. So. <laughs> so what would you say then is the most commonly made mistake that business owners make and how could they avoid it? Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes is commingling their funds. Um, <laughs> you know something about that, Trinity? <laughs> I mean, I'm in real estate in addition to business coaching. So, yeah. So, carry on. Yeah, yeah. So the commingling of the funds, I think, unfortunately, is a necessary evil in the start of a business because you you don't have the resources to always pay your business expenses from your business account or your personal expenses from your personal account. So it just happens. But the minute that you turn the corner, there needs to be that separation as much as you can, because in an audit, that's one thing that's very hard to prove um, is the separation with that. And most audits aren't going to happen in the first year or two of business, it's going to be where you actually have the ability to pay what they found that you've done wrong. So I would say at that point, that company has turned the corner, but they're still, they still either don't have the expertise to be doing it right, or they haven't hired the right person to keep them out of trouble. Right. Um, That's one of the things that we recommend to our clients and listeners is that they have a business account They have them set up separately. Um, Going back to the book Profit First, it was um, eye-opening to me because they recommended setting up five different accounts, Um, one for your taxes, one for your profit, one for owner payment, one for ongoing expenses, and one for company revenue. And I was like, wow, that really makes a whole lot of sense. And then you're keeping all of your buckets separate so you're not worrying about where that money, you know, the bank statement doesn't lie. Yeah. And it takes discipline. You can't just, you have 20 grand in your business account and you think, oh, I'm going to go buy myself a new computer or do something like that. But if it was set up the way that you stated it, then maybe it's three grand in each bucket. And then at that point, it's not where you're going to make a foolish expense. It, exactly. gives, it, it helps force you to have discipline. Right. Yes. And that's the whole premise of the book is yeah. forcing yourself mm-hmm. into um discipline, which I think that's a good term for it, especially since so many of us don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really good advice, especially for people that are just getting started that are wondering where that next paycheck's coming from, or when's that next commission coming in, or how am I going to make that next big sale? I think we see a lot of small business owners that really struggle 
to know what they should be keeping track of. Um, and even, you know, like, the, I've seen so many, especially in real estate, of um, my clients, coaches that would put off doing the things that you're recommending. And then, you know, tax time comes around and now they're scrambling to get everything into QuickBooks or um, put a P&L together, which is so much easier if you're doing it along the way versus trying to go back and backtrack and figure out, oh, you know, even me this year, I got behind and I have my statements in my purse right now to finally drop off to my um, bookkeeper with everything highlighted from, you know, what should be in there as a write-off or not. And exactly what you mentioned, people get behind. And from my perspective, the whole system's broken in the sense that your taxable implications for 2019 are in 2020. So at that point, you may have earned a certain amount of money, should have put a certain amount aside, but now in 2020, maybe you're not doing as well. Mm -hmm. And that money has gone towards more of your essential expenses and it's not there and it's not in the bucket that it should be for the taxes at that point. Right. That was the best piece of advice that I ever got when I started in real estate and coaching real estate agents was to set aside your taxes first. Mm. And just take that 20 to 30%, whatever bracket you're in, and just don't touch it. Um, and that's what I've trained my agents to do, is just put it away. Don't even look at it. That money is the government's. And if you are getting paid like a regular employee, you don't have to worry about it because it's coming out of your paycheck, whether you want it to or not. Real estate professionals are in the top bracket of the ones I fix problems for. That's because we're kind of idiots sometimes. No, it's because I, well, it may be that, but I think also your transactions when you make a sale are significant. And yeah. at that point, you don't have to be selling ice cream every day, a thousand cones to make a living. You sell a home or two a week and you're doing extremely well for yourself. Yeah. And when those big commissions come in, it's even more important to just take off that chunk and put it aside and not worry about, and it's funny that you said that because um, my CPA seems kind of shocked every time when he tells me I need to make a tax payment. I'm like, okay, and I go and do it because I'm sure most people aren't doing that, and then they're trying to figure out where they're going to get that money from. Exactly. So commingle was number one, was the second one of the top three, the common mistakes people make. Or did we go ahead and cover the other went, two? We already covered that. And then, I, then I had another question about... Well, what was two and three? Did you say you asked him the top three mistakes small and business owners make. he answered it, yeah. And then I asked him for well, the I most commonly made mistake. So oh, the he common actually one, gave yeah. It, he gave us four. Right. The common one was... The, oh, sorry. The common... Can you read my own handwriting? First one was co-mingle. Right. Yeah. Did I miss two and three in that one? No. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Then I'm going to speed that. I feel better. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Mike. Look I'm me. looking at you, Mike. Um, he went to move the stones at your house with your husband. Right. He should have. It no. was a great, it was a great workout and mm. it was just was kind chasing, of hot outside. I was chasing Oliver. I got my workout. Yes, so. you did. So obviously I love to read, but you as a business professional running your own business. So let's, step away from IRS and tax payments mm -hmm. for, for a minute. Um, what would be your top three tips of just advice about business in general? 
Um, for those that aren't readers, because I'm not a tremendous reader, I think watching shows like The Prophet and The Shark Tank are extremely helpful because You're speaking to my heartstrings. Yeah, because like The Prophet, you can see somebody running a very successful business in a sense, maybe a high grossing business, but it's barely paying the bills. Mm -hmm. And you can take make some minor changes and have a significant outcome on not only the business, but the life that person's able to lead. Um, and I think they do a good job of breaking it down into fairly basic understanding terms mm -hmm. that, that really make sense for that person. The Shark Tank, I, I think a little bit to kind of get a grasp of, you know, um, entrepreneurship is alive, but the profit is a little more how to run a business. Um, and there's some basic understanding that people need. Um, and I have clients that I'll look at their, their books at the end of the year, maybe they gross 1.4 million and then their profit margins 4%. Whereas the national or the industry standards more like 15%. Mm -hmm. And you think, okay, well, if you had, had a business coach and they could squeak out two or 3% more profit out of it that would pay for itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have a yeah. tax problem and you could be enjoying yourself. So it's like a lot of successful business owners from my perspective aren't extremely educated, but they're great at what they do. They just need help on the backside. Um, and they need their hand held in a little bit of a different manner. That's excellent advice. I think a lot of people see things like shark tank and the profit and, um, other shows, and it can almost be a little intimidating to think that you don't necessarily have to have it all together, mm -hmm. that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to lean on your CPA or your business coach or a mentor. Whereas, you know, you don't need to have everything figured out just because you own a business. Sure. And like, even I think with the virtual world of let's use BNI, for example, somebody not having a 45 second elevator speech as to say, who's a good introduction for them. And I'll see it in all different walks of life at all different ages where that person doesn't know who's an ideal introduction. And at that point, that's so basic that I would think if I'm giving Trinity the option to say, hey, this is who I want to be introduced to, and she doesn't even know who that is, if you don't know, how am I supposed to help you? You, so, you would think we would know who our ideal client is or not even need to take out the word ideal and go, this is kind of who I would like to serve because the product or service I have, but we have numerous we conversations. Do, we do tons of training on it yep. yeah. because it is something that most people may have thought about it when they're initially putting together their business plan, but it's changed drastically mm -hmm. or they just kind of fell into some sales and they never really thought through who their ideal client or prospect is or their ideal referral partner. Um, when they start the sentence with, I want to meet anybody. Yeah. No, no, yes. you need to, <laughs> I want to meet left-handed golfers. Sure. I want to meet new moms, mm -hmm. not all moms, not athletic people, golfers. Yeah. Not all moms, new moms. And they can't, a lot of people struggle to even do that because they feel like I'll never make enough money if I niche. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that if you're the one solving the big problem, people will find you. You'll be the person at the networking event where they go, Chris, we need to talk. Yeah. And at that point too, like I've shared with Mike, the majority of people that hear my business model, I get pushed back. That's an awful business model. You're working pe with people with a tax problem. They have no money. And that's not the case. That's It's a blip in their life more often than not. There are the chronic offenders that are going to constantly mm -hmm. have a problem 
if they're not willing to accept help and want to learn from mm -hmm. where they are. But most people, it's something has occurred that they're putting their head in the sand. And then at that point, with the proper advice and guidance, they're able to move forward. So very rarely do I ever meet someone else that does what I do. And if they even do what I do, they're a great referral partner. For me, a tax attorney is phenomenal because I can do everything they can do except go to court with a client. So I get referrals all the time from tax attorneys because there's clients that are below their threshold. And mm. one gentleman in Georgia, if they owe less than a hundred grand, he refers them to me. I mean, plenty of people owe less than a hundred grand. It's just not a good business model for him to have that client based on his fees. I mean, right. the commercial you hear on the radio, do you owe $10,000 or more? That's because they have a $5,000 retainer to get the process started. You owe $7,000, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to pay five to try to fix a $7,000 problem. So for me, I'm a solopreneur. I can, I can make any tax problem reasonable for me to be able to help them. You were telling me yesterday that uh, some people aren't as grateful as they should be. Sure. And the one guy, I don't remember the first number he gave me, but he ended up paying, having to pay 600 bucks. He was bitching about that. Sure. Yeah. No, it removed 98% of the tax for him. <laughs> so in that scenario, his response was, why is it still 600? <laughs> and I had him on speaker because I wanted my wife to hear his reaction because I knew it was going to be an ungrateful reaction. And it went from $60,000 to 600. And it was exactly that. It's why is it 600? And I was like, write the check and let's be done and let's move on. Because he was ready to write the check at 60 grand. And then once 98% of it was removed, he was like, why is the difference still there? And there was a valid reason why it was there. Right. But it was just that. But for most, it's a grateful reaction. It's the I sleep better at night. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's extremely rewarding. And it's removing the pain point. And that's one of those things to me. Everyone knows how it is to have a lousy night's sleep. So if you're having it and you're up at night and you're staring at the ceiling because of a tax problem, that's where helping someone with that is extremely rewarding. Yeah, because if somebody, back to the elevator pitch, if somebody says, hey, Chris, what do you do? It's like, I help people sleep better at night. Yeah. And they're like, oh, tell me more. Sure, exactly that, yeah. <laughs> or it's uh, my slogan sometimes is I help them get on the right side of wrong because it's, you know, it's very scary for a lot of people to not file. And you'd be shocked. Like when we shared the 20 or 30% have a tax problem, at least 15% of those they haven't filed in six to 10 years. And it's unfathomable for most people to think that, but it's all day long because it doesn't discriminate. You can be a celebrity, you can be a politician, you can be a business owner. You can have a tax problem. So, and we hear about it periodically in all those different industries. So for it to touch a solopreneur, is extremely common. Yeah, I so, feel like my eyes just bulged out of my head. So six, uh, yeah, I couldn't I imagine not uh, having. I'd have come down yeah. and given you like you have a nice <laughs> tip on that. So a couple of IRS myths. One is, do we really know how our name comes up in the audit wheel of fortune? Well, there's certain things that do set off bells and whistles when it comes to it. So um, if you're a if you're under reporting income and then that those sources of income are reported on you, then that's definitely going to generate bare minimum a notice from that standpoint. Um, the other is over declaring deductions that you're not entitled to. So that's something that are those expenses proportionate with the national standards for your industry? Um, that's definitely one that 
a lot of solopreneurs try to put every possible personal expense that they incur into their tax return. Some are valid, some aren't. From my perspective, it's a mixture of are those things acceptable and are they provable? But furthermore, from the Department of Revenue or IRS perspective, can we still collect on the client if they are wrong? So, I mean, you can look at it like you take a million people that are underreporting by a few thousand dollars or a few people that are underreporting by a few million dollars and which one is going to cause mm -hmm. more problems. But just because Trinity gets a notice doesn't mean she has the ability to pay the notice. So you have to kind of put a little bit of a business mind in place as well as they're going to put their resources towards who they can collect from as well. So Trinity as a realtor versus Trinity as a business coach could have way different set of write-offs. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because there, there's going to be certain industry expenses, like when you're filing your tax return, there's a business code that goes along with the type of line of work you're in. So there's, in my opinion, there's going to be certain information that corresponds with what kind of miles is the average um, yeah. real estate professional putting on every year? And then how much are you away from that average, which is then going to draw more or less attention? And is that a, a computer or a program reading, looking for those red flags? Yeah, I, I'd say it's computer. Okay. Um, pro, computer program that's going right. to generate that, and then it's going to ding it, and then at that point it's going to draw the attention to it. And then the individual auditors at the IRS mm -hmm. look at it and go, eh. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's definitely okay. got to get a second look in order for it to be something yeah. that okay. is either. And then you're going to get a notice, and then they're going to ask you to provide it. Um, and that's where my value comes in. Um, I have a client currently, and a lot of her expenses were disallowed. And she tried going through the first round of it, and still they were disallowing it. And then once I got involved, it's a different level of, um, respect with each other, because if I'm taking on the case, I have a certain amount of due diligence I'm going to do in order to manage the client's expectations and say, these are or are not legitimate expenses. And I know what kind of, which way you have to present it to the revenue officer or the examiner in order for them to do their job efficiently. When you are on the phone with your client, with the IRS, when your name comes up on the IRS phone, do they go, oh, crap, we're going to lose again? <laughs> no, I think, they, I think they appreciate it more often than not. Probably do because there's some sanity on the phone call, right? Yeah, they're not going to get yelled at. I'll yeah. never yell at somebody on the other end of the yeah. phone because they're just trying to do their job. And they have a boss that says, hey, there's a pile of cases. Why aren't these moved forward? Yep. Um, and it's a level of respect. If I have a deadline of tomorrow, I'm calling the client, the revenue officer today to let them know we are or are not going to make that deadline because mm -hmm. they're a human. They need to be treated mm -hmm. with respect. And the only way the IRS has to get your attention is enforcement. So you ignore them. What are they going to do? They have to do enforcement, which is either garnishing your, um, your paycheck, putting a lien on your bank account. Those are things that then you have to be responsive. Then you set up a deadline. You either provide or you don't provide the information that's required, and then you move on to the, the collection aspect of it. If they have taken more expenses than they should have, are you going line by line with the IRS people on the phone saying, no, this really is correct? Yeah, generally you're that... mailing in the documents okay. or they're being faxed in. All and right. then at that point, I'm putting it in a pretty much like a second grader level in order mm -hmm. for it to not be interpreted. It's pretty straightforward. At that point, you're saying in the realtor world, 
this was my expense through Zillow, or this is what I spent mm -hmm. on Redfin, or whatever the expenses are that are going to correspond with that. Here's the invoice for it, and here's the canceled check or the bank statement that showed I paid for it. So not only did you incur it, but you had to actually pay it as well. And then the agent on the other end of the line has the authority to say, okay, we agree, we'll, we'll wipe off that $2,800. Absolutely, okay. yeah. And then they're going to go through their process, and they come back with an updated, this is the new amount either owed or mm -hmm. everything's been provided and resolved. So, And I say generally, their numbers aren't always spot on. If you're able to debate it with them back and forth and you have legitimate expenses and you weren't just blatantly lying, then there are, there is room to correct the errors. And then proportionately, the penalties and interests adjust accordingly. So if you had a $20,000 tax bill for underreporting and penalties and interest are with it and you're able to get it reduced to 15000 the penalties and interest also adjust. So it's significant each dollar saved is not just a dollar it's a dollar plus i could see you wearing people down on the phone i could see that. yeah, yeah. in a such a sweet way that we oh, part yeah. friends at the end uh -huh. she is known as the velvet hammer in some circles of the triangle for the honey badger the honey badger i love it oh <laughs> uh, i have to go a couple personal things here with chris uh, from Pace University, if you've not picked up on the accent, but also NC State. So I'm on your website the other day doing my my due diligence, um, and I'm scrolling through. I, I knew you, we know each other a little bit, so I knew kind of what you did, but I want to look more into the services and read a little bit more, you know, your backstory and everything. So I'm clicking around about us, and I see Chris at a desk with your wife, Amy, I assume, doing the yoga pose, the yoga <laughs> Back, back bend, back bend, and he's just sitting there looking at the camera like you know one of those. So if you want to go to guardiantaxsolutions.com and check out the picture, that was a very good husband wife teamwork. Let's have a moment, yes, and just you know what this will be cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen Tax Tip Tuesday. So Tax Tip Tuesday started really as a joke about I don't know, say ten weeks ago, and then every ever since it started, Amy has had a much larger role in it, which has led to 10 times the views based yes. on that. Yes. So um, she definitely adds a humor component to it. And the whole point is to try to make people know I'm more approachable. It's not the typical CPA personality. Some have a personality, but I think in their DNA is more, that's not their strength. So I know mm -hmm. plenty that do, but at the same time, I want to be more approachable. I want you to feel like you're not a degenerate because you have a tax problem and you can, I'm human too. You know, I'm a solopreneur. I've been there. I know your challenges and I want them to be able to feel comfortable talking to me and just trying to make light of the industry a little bit. And as a small business owner, what is Amy's role in the company? Um, we're, right now it's a little limited just because she had a really bad injury about a little two and a half years ago. But as she heals and gets better, um, it's going to be a larger role from that standpoint. More so, in what what area? Um, well, whatever area she wants. She's okay. extremely smart. So at that point, it could be the tax preparation side. Right mm -hmm. now, she's more social media because putting together a... 45 second clip or typically they're about 20 seconds is about the limit of what she can tolerate when it comes to looking at a computer screen. So that part is gotcha. we're using the best of what she can do mm -hmm. from that standpoint. So as she heals, hopefully more computer related stuff, because with the virtual relationships, that's definitely the where I need help. 
Mm-hmm. So you and the IRS issues, that's not a sexy enough subject and host to like, just, you know, go viral. Well, um, <laughs> it's probably my face. So probably I have the face for radio. I think that might, that, that, that might be it. So, but yeah, she's definitely the strength on that. And the bravery side, the most recent one was her in a cage with two pit bulls. And uh, I wasn't extremely comfortable being on the outside yeah. of the cage. And she played around with the two of them inside the cage. So, um, <laughs> Just a different level. Of oh, comfort. now, now my, let me brag out my partner for a second. You want to talk about a headline writer. Oh, the things you could do with that picture. Right. Her in there with two pit bulls yeah. in a cage. You, that an hour you could come up with a <laughs> year's worth of stuff, social media stuff. Oh yeah. Puns and clever headlines. That's yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I like to write. That's her second calling. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Without a doubt. I would be a great writer if I had the patience to sit down and actually write stuff. Yes. That's why the social media things work because it's quick. Yeah. Sure. When you're not running a multi-million dollar real estate empire. Yes. Yeah. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not wrong on the number. I could defend the number in court, right? (laughs) It's getting there. Now how it's broken down is not my problem, but (laughs) multi-million dollars are involved in your empire. Yes, they are. Yes. (laughs) We only know each other from this. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That, well, I had, here's what's going to happen, okay? Here's, again, let me brag on her for a second. Three weeks ago, Dr. Holly Sullinger was on the show, mm-hmm. and I was not able to make it, and those two had never met. And so I'm listening to the first show Friday morning. I'm like, damn, they don't need me anymore. <laughs> it's like they were finished. And I talked to Holly the other day. She goes, I said, you guys like finishing each other's sentences like you were separated at birth. She goes, I know. As soon as we sat down, started talking, like, they don't need me anymore. That's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to do a show on our own yes. with a guest because yep. you really do get to learn about mm. the guest a lot. Yep. And Dr. Holly, because I know that she listens to the show now, shout out to her. She's yep. amazing. She and, yep, she's my woman crush. And I knew this particular subject and guest would be, again, just it's systems and processes meet trinity mm-hmm. yeah. i i say no more to what, what's she like if you want to get your crap in order <laughs> buy her lunch somewhere and just chat through it oh yeah without yeah. a doubt well and i think that's why i'm so interested in this topic yes. because it's something that i out personally outsource um you know i when i was just an employee of course it was easy to do my own taxes and everything was very very straightforward but then you put in a marriage and running two businesses and and all the complication that comes along with that so i really admire people that can deal with all of our ish especially us real estate agents. Yeah, no, it's a it's a <laughs> stressful subject. And like I've said to Mike, not too many people are more scared of an entity than the IRS. Mm-hmm. So that's something that if you get a letter or a phone call, it can definitely um, make the heart skip a beat. Oh, it can change your life yeah. one way or the other sometimes, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. All right, so next episode, we're going to talk about PPP loans, payroll tax deferral, stuff like that, because we had so much fun on this one, we never even got to it. So. Well, you can go to guardiantaxsolutions.com, check out Chris, check out the picture with Amy. You can go to wiretochange.com and check out all the fun, awesome things that we have coming up. We have um, our new offerings up on the website now, so you can check us out, see if you want to join our mastermind group or our 100 days um, 100 day starter kit for young businesses, so three years and under, 
I don't know about you, but most people, we don't know everything at three years. At two years, we still got questions. And in one year, most of us are lucky to still be a business. So we're here to help with those systems and processes on the 100-day starter kit. So if you like that, uh, that is one-on-one work. The mastermind group, which we both love, mastermind groups, I'm sure you probably do just the, the exchanging of ideas around the room. Which yeah, we love. I so, think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's all on our website. Check that out. And we will see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.